My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. You feeble Jews. Yes, we're feeble, but God is great. And God's power will accomplish what he desires through the weak things. See, that's the right attitude. Satan wants you to think of how feeble you are, how weak you are. You can't do it. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Dave, today it's Letter Day, and I have a letter from Carol. She says, when I first said goodbye to my husband in 2019, you helped me through my first crisis of prolonged grief, which is now lifting, and I am praising Jesus without crying. So many things have happened to me. I listen to you daily, and I am in full Bible education mode, getting to know Jesus Christ better as Savior and Lord. Your teaching method is so helpful in understanding the process for me, and VCY is so helpful in their selection of pastor teachers daily. Well, Carol, we praise the Lord for his work through his word in your life, and we're so thankful that you're getting to know Jesus better. Praise the Lord. And Greg, what's in your message today for us to learn from this portion of Scripture? Well, Dave, our study in Nehemiah has much for us to glean concerning how to keep from being overcome by our enemy's reproach. So let's get right to our study. Turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 4. Well, thanks, Greg. And as always, if you have to miss a portion of today's broadcast, you can hear this entire program online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Nehemiah's working with him. He's not an ivory tower leader. He's there working with him. That we were rebuilding the wall. He became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. The term furious seeks of being hot, literally hot. You know, we've all experienced anger. He is hot. He is hot. He is burning with anger. And the word translated anger is a synonym for that, can be translated vexed or very angry. And then we have a modifying word to become great. He was hot and became very angry or greatly vexed. And notice what he did. And he mocked the Jews. The term mocks means to deride, to scoff, or to mock. We know what that means. We know to ridicule. And folks, in here, in chapter 4, as I mentioned, we see one of Satan's tactics to try to discourage God's people. It is being mocked, it is being spoken against, it is being ridiculed, it's being criticized, as we'll see by those who would name the name of the Lord and those who don't. We're going to see that. And so how do I know that this mockery was designed to demoralize them? Look down in verse 4. Hear, O Gar, God, how we're despised. That's through their mockery, right? Return their reproach. You see that? Reproach, right? Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have demoralized the builders. What we're going to read coming from Sanballat's mouth and Tobiah gets back to the Jews, and they become demoralized. That's Satan's tactic to cause us to be demoralized to give up. So then, when Sanballat and Tobiah heard they were building the wall, he became furious and very and mocked the Jews. And notice how he mocks them. Verse 2, And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? 
Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from dusty rubble, even the burned ones? That's the mocking. That sounds like a big deal, but it's actually a very big deal, as we're going to see. It's a big deal because this is Satan's tactic. And notice he does it in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria. He does it publicly. Now, his brothers could be speaking, some translated his colleagues, could be speaking of his brethren, uh, or those of his family or his ancestry. And it says he spoke in the presence of the wealthy men of Samaria. The term wealthy is literally forceful. So some translate it, you'll see a little note, army. That, you know, somebody is wealthy because they've, with force in a sense, that's possible translation, but it's probably a better translation that he did it, spoke in front of the army of Samaria. That's more likely. And so then he does it publicly with the bigwigs and the military of Samaria, right? And evidently, these public words get back to the Jews. Remember, Nehemiah was smart. He didn't tell anybody because he knew the word would get around, right? And so here, it does get around from Sanballat. Now, what does he say specifically? Notice the first thing he says, and this helps us identify Satan's tactics so that we don't get sidetracked and stop working and doing what God wants us to do. Notice he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? The term feeble means weak. In essence, he's saying, you're weak. You're feeble. You're too feeble to complete the task. You can't do it. Now, this is what Satan does. He always uses a little bit of truth. But he gets us to focus on that rather than the whole truth. The reality is this is true. They are feeble Jews. And the reality is we are inadequate. But if we focus on that alone, we will quit. But what God wants us to focus on is the fact that we're inadequate, but he is adequate. The Apostle Paul indeed reveals this truth to the Corinthians. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul calls upon, you can see him in the congregation, calls on, hey, look around. Take a look. I want you to see something. Think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren. Hey, look around. Consider it. That there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what? The weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. Yes, I am weak. But the reality is like Paul would share to the Corinthians later on in 2 Corinthians. We're not adequate to consider anything that's coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Satan wants you to focus on the first part. You are weak, which is so true. But we get focused on ourself and don't add in the truth of God that when we are weak, as we will see, we are strong. He has put this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may not be from us, but from God. What about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, where he was given a vision? He was taken to the third heaven and heard things he can't repeat. And God had to give him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself, a messenger from Satan. And so the Lord has to respond to Paul when he asks for it to be removed three times. And so 2 Corinthians 12, look at verse 8. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace... 
is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. You feeble Jews, yes, we're feeble, but God is great. And God's power will accomplish what he desires through the weak things. See, that's the right attitude. Satan wants you to think of how feeble you are, how weak you are. You can't do it. And we buy into that lie, we sin. We sin, we buy into that lie, and we suffer, and we quit. My grace is sufficient, for my power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with what? Insults, right? With distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, that's what it's for, not for your sin, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Satan wants you to focus on your weakness. God wants you to focus on him and trust him. So we need to realize this, that yes, people will say things that are hurtful, that are true to a certain extent, but it is not the whole story for the believer. Yes, we are weak, but when we are in Christ, trusting in him, abiding in him, we are strong. Be strengthened in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil having done everything to stand firm, right? So what else does Sam Dallas say? Are they going to, this is the end of two, are they going to restore it for themselves? Now here, there's some interpretive issues here that complicate this verse. The term restore could be translated left alone. But I think either way, it makes the same point. So it could be translated, are they left alone to themselves going to do it? Or here, are they going to restore it for themselves? Same point. There's a small group. Can they do this humongous task? You're too small to finish the task. You don't have enough people. You can't do it. If they looked at that, they would lose heart. You lack the manpower. You can't do it. Can this group do it themselves? Well, that's true, but it's not the whole truth. Remember throughout Scripture, God uses circumstances to reveal that he doesn't need us that he can use anything and anyone, no matter what the size. Remember David and Goliath, right? What about Gideon against the Midianites? Judges chapter 7. Gideon initially had 32,000 people to go against the Midianites. Then the Lord weeded that down ultimately to 300 who lapped like a dog so that God would be glorified. You see, Satan wants us to think, you don't got enough to do it. You don't have the resource. You can't do it. But we need to look at God. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything impossible for him? Not at all. If it's his will, he's going to do it. So we need to see the whole truth when we are being mocked and not focus on it. And sometimes we spend our time defending ourselves, which we don't need to do. Don't do that. Focus on the truth, the things above, the truth. Add that into these pieces of truth, which are partially true, but are lies if you take only that, right? That's how Satan works. Well, notice he says another thing here afterwards. Can they offer sacrifices? I was trying to figure out what is he talking about here? Is he talking about sacrifices in the temple? Well, earlier Ezra offered sacrifices, so that's working. And later on, Nehemiah is going to offer sacrifice, so that's working. What is he talking about here? Is he saying they can't offer sacrifices? No, I think what he's saying here is, do these Jews think that they can offer a sacrifice to the Lord and these walls will just pop right up? that they're just going to show up because they prayed to God and offered a sacrifice? Is that what these Jews think? You know, the reality, Satan tries to get us to think, well, 
just trusting the Lord and doing this isn't going to get anything accomplished. Seeking him first. Well, really? you got to get out and do it. You don't have enough, so you can't do it. Well, that's how Satan does things. Can they offer sacrifices? Will this sacrifices cause the wall to just spring up? Will God whip it out of thin air? You can hear Satan's accusations. On a human level, the sacrifices aren't going to do anything. But folks, when we trust the Lord and offer ourselves to him, he will accomplish his work through us. What's the next ridicule or mockery that we see here? Can they finish in a day? What does he mean by this? He's ridiculing them, pointing to the fact, humanly speaking, that the task is too great. Can you do it in a day? You see, Satan is using Sanballat to try to get these Jews to focus on the task and how overwhelming it is and to give up. It's too big. He's using an example here. The same thing Satan uses through people for us to try to discourage us, humanly speaking, when things are impossible, what God calls us to do. You really think you could get that done? (laughs) The reality is, if God is calling us to do it, he will do it. Again, is anything too difficult for the Lord? No. Nehemiah understood this. He understood that the Lord would enable him to be set free from his position, that he could even do the impossible and come and help the Jews. Nehemiah understood. He trusted the Lord. Now look at the last ridicule and mockery from Sanballat in the end of verse 2. Can they revive the stones from dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? The term dusty rubble literally is translated heaps of dust. The wall was in bad shape, no doubt. Satan is, this is true. This is true. Again, a truth about it, but not bringing in the whole truth. This is how Satan mocks and ridicules. Can they bring these stones to life? Revive, really means to bring to life. Can they revive them from piles of dusty rubble, including the burnt ones? Now, the answer, humanly speaking, is probably not. It's probably too hard. Look at it go, that's, that task is too hard. It's all burnt down. It's piles of dust. How can you make a wall out of that? But that's not the full story. You see, Satan, through Sanballat, is trying to tempt them to look at the circumstances alone rather than to trust the Lord to work through them and accomplish his task. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's at your work. Maybe it's at church. Satan will tempt you with ridicule. Maybe you're just hearing those voices in a sense from the outside or through people. going to tempt you to see only what you see rather than to add in the eternal realities. We are to set our mind on the things above, not the things of earth. We're to set our minds on Christ. We're to believe the truth that he has revealed. You see, Satan prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in what? The faith, trusting what God has said is true, trusting in the Lord in spite of what you see. We walk by faith, not by sight. And Satan will tempt you to walk by sight. And if you do, you will be discouraged. You know, if you want to be discouraged, let's say you've got trouble in your marriage. You want to be discouraged, look at your marriage. Okay, you got trouble with your kids. You want to be discouraged. Look at your kids. Focus on Jesus Christ and trust him to help you do what he calls you to do in those areas. Work, marriage, kids at church. Trust in him. Focus on him. Okay. well, notice we got a little pile on here. Tobiah, he's going to pile on here. Verse three. Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, remember, he's an Ammonite. Don't forget that. He's not Yah's good and he's my God, whatever his name means. He doesn't think that. He actually hates him, as we'll say. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and 
he said. So he's hanging out next to him, and he's going to pile on. Even if what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break down their stone wall. He's saying, in essence, what you've done so far is nothing. If a fox jumped on it, it would collapse. If you leaned against it, it'd fall over. If a cat went on it, it'd fall over. The reality is he's saying, hey, what you're doing is not sufficient. It's not working. He's demoralizing the builders. And this stuff does hurt because there's partial truth in it. And if we focus on it, we will succumb to Satan's attacks. We need to believe what God has said, that God will enable us. His good hand is upon us. He will enable us to build the wall. He will do this. He is for us. If God is for us, who could be against us? So then, Tobiah piles on here, and the words obviously hurt. It's difficult when you're criticized. And some of that criticism may be partially true. And then others hear that, and they latch on to that part. Then you got everyone criticizing you. Don't focus on that. Focus on the Lord. Set your mind on the things above. Words hurt, and there's a temptation to give up. I tell you, with all the criticism I've had here, with those groups of evil people that came to our body and praise the Lord are gone, with all that criticism, I was tempted to give up a lot of times. That was Satan's goal to get me to throw in the towel and say, forget it. But God is good. God is faithful, and he's good because it's not about us. God is faithful. He will work through anyone to do his will if they're willing to submit to him. So then, he wants us to give up. Remember verse 5, Nehemiah says, they've demoralized the builders. It actually started to work a little bit. It did. Now, Nehemiah is going to have to share some truth. And we're going to see from his response how we are to respond. That we're to get on our knees. And we're to pray about the circumstances and bring it before God. And we need to see it from God's perspective. And that needs to come out in our prayer. It needs to come out in our prayer. And then we need to have the right heart and get to work. So then, sticks and stones break my bones and names over her. Well, I don't think that's true. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be ridiculed. And sometimes it comes from the inside. Sometimes it comes from the people we love. Satan can use them. you got to focus on the Lord and not the half-truth, which is false by itself. Right? How are we going to respond? Because it's going to happen. You want to raise your kids rightly, you're going to get ridiculed. Whether it's, whether it's family, whether it's other people, whatever it might be. You want to do the right thing in your marriage, it's going to happen. You want to do the right thing in the body of Christ, it's going to happen. Do the right thing at work, work in the Lord, you got, it's going to happen. How are you going to respond? Because it is coming, and the goal is to demoralize you so that you'll quit. What are you going to do? Well, we need to add in the truth. We need to focus on Christ. We need to recognize that when we're weak, he's strong. And if God is for us, who could be against us? And that he works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. I need to resist the devil and humble myself, submit to God and resist the devil, right? I need to be on the alert because he prowls about like a roaring lion and I need to resist him firm in the faith, believing what God said, not this little snippet of lies that are being thrown my way. Belief. What God has said, firm in the faith. Trust the Lord. Focus on the unseen things rather than the things that are seen, which Satan is trying to get you to focus on. Now, some of you listening, some of you here may have realized, I bought into it. 
And I bought into a lie. I believed a lie. And I have given up in some area that I should be functioning in. I've given up. Just confess that and get right with the Lord. And trust him because he's a great God. And through your weakness and through your inability, he will manifest his absolute ability and sufficiency. If God is for us, who could be against us? And as we'll see, then get back to work in whatever it is. So then, yes, what people say hurts, and the stinging words, who they come from, can be from close or far. It hurts. Don't listen. Don't listen. Don't focus on it. Focus on Jesus. Focus on him. Renew your minds. Renew your hearts. Get your heart right, because if you don't, you won't have a heart to work. So then how can we keep from being overcome by the stinging words of Satan's servants? First of all, we need to understand that if we're about the Lord's work, Satan's going to use people to try to discourage us. It's going to happen. But do not focus on it. Trust the Lord. Believe the truth. See, that's how we fight our enemy, by faith. We trust in the shield of faith, which distinguishes every fiery missile. And then notice, secondly, from Nehemiah's example, get on your knees and get to the Lord. Nehemiah's a good guy. He's a man of prayer. And we're going to see that he prays about God and shows him what's going on. God knows, but he's going to pray about it anyway. And he also applies truth to the circumstance, which is encouraging for the builders, as you're going to see. Because those who are attacking are not going to succeed. Verse 4, hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their heads and give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before they, for they have demoralized the builders. You know, Paul said he was the chief of sinners. Why? Because he persecuted the church. That's the worst of sin, right? You see that. And so he says here, Nehemiah prays. Now, this seems very heavy. And should we pray this way? Every time someone says something about us, oh, Lord, do not forgive their sin. May they be blotted out. Do we pray that way about everybody? Well, how does this work with what we know in the New Testament? There seems to be some contradiction here, but there is no contradiction, as we will see. The word does not contradict itself. There may be apparent contradictions, but when we delve in and we divide it rightly, we will see there is no contradiction. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Turn to Matthew 5. Well, actually, I'll read that, and you can turn to 1 Peter 1 after this. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard it said... You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay. It doesn't say how to pray, but I don't think it's praying that they're going to be not forgiven or something. You know, it doesn't seem like that, right? At least on the surface. What about First Peter chapter 2? We see that for this purpose, this is speaking of believers and then Christ, his example, First Peter 2, verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ has also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his footsteps, or his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. He didn't snap back. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. 
You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast, how should we apply this message to our lives today? Well, Dave, just as we've seen today in our lesson, as we serve and follow Christ, it's inevitable that we will have encountered or encounter Satan's ridicule through some of his human servants concerning the work of ministry. And when this happens, what are we to do? Well, we're just going to have to wait till tomorrow's broadcast to learn from Nehemiah's wonderful example. So make plans to join us then. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church.